The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Welcome to The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra with me, Tara Lockery Grant. This is the show where we get to interview some of the best people we've met through our work on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and in the lifestyle section of the RTE News Now app. You can find us as well on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. That's at RT Lifestyle. Like I said, we meet some great people across the areas that we're interested in and that we focus on. What are they? Health, fitness, well-being, wellness, food, fashion, travel, motors. So right across the lifestyle areas. And today I'm really, really excited to get into studio Peter Connolly, who is an occupational therapist who works in John of Gods and also is the creator, the owner, the originator of lifestyleawareness.ie. You're so welcome, Peter. Thank you very much. It's been delighted to be here this, this morning, Tara. Well, you know what? We met before over a really good project. And do you want to quickly tell us what that was? Because we did talk about it here on the Lifestyle Show. It was uh, Bumble Air. Uh, it was created by a friend of mine, uh, Ryan Hanrahan. And uh, he's, a, he's a helicopter pilot. And this general all-round good guy <laughs> and uh, socialite. And uh, he's created a project where uh, sick children from various you know parts of the country are transported for treatment via helicopter uh, to to a Dublin hospital. So that's where we met. We did. Family. It was yeah. so good. And then afterwards we got talking and I just thought, you know, we we're always looking for, to find out how people do what they do so well. That's the kind of gist of what the Lifestyle Show is. Your daily job in your daily job in John of Gods. Um, can you tell us, first of all, what exactly that you're, you're doing there? And then we'll get on to your other hat, which is Lifestyle Awareness Study. And obviously the two are very, very linked. And we also want to get to our big point of today, which is burnout. Sure. What it is, how to avoid it and what we can do. But first of all, John of Gods, what are you doing up there? So I, I've worked in John of Gods for uh, 10 years now and I work there as a senior occupational therapist and um, I, I work with people who are coming in for mental health treatment around areas like stress, anxiety, depression, uh, burnout uh, and people are coming in and they're looking for advice and assessment into, you know, what's what's gone wrong really, yeah. what's where they where the difficulties that they're really struggling with have, have come from. And Peter, what exactly, what type of of, of, of uh, symptoms would somebody have? You know, because we do tend to have this idea that if somebody's going to John of God's or other institutions around the country, we pass them in the car, we sure. heard about them, we hear them in interviews, we hear them covered in media, but we think it's other. But really, it's us, it's people, it's just normal people who've come up against issues. What sort of patients do you sure. meet and do you come across? I mean, it could be anybody. It mm. could be your neighbour. It could be you. It yeah. could be your best friend. It could be your mum. Mm. It could be your teacher. Um, we all have a mental health that needs looking after. And I suppose that's one of the, the key things uh, that, we're, that we're supporting people with is sort of understanding their own mental health. Uh, as an occupational therapist, we particularly look at people's functional abilities and their skills to be able to do the things that they need to do to be able to you know grapple with the stressors of life being able to show up at work being able to manage a busy home being able to relax and recover from their stressors so you know we 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 work with a wide variety of people you know usually people are have busy jobs demanding lives and you know a wide variety in, in in terms of networks as well so it could be a politician it could be a nurse it could be a teacher it could be a teenager it could be somebody who's just about to um graduate from university so any any sort of sect of society of we we've 
you know, got a lot of experience working Isn't with. Isn't it interesting that the way you even there in your few sentences, you know, you're, after your 10 years of experience there, the way you summed it up, you've just made broken down walls, barriers and given us a, represent, a mirror, lifted a mirror to the type of patients that you have in there. And they're us. They're not people who've to, who've gone to the extremes. We always think extremes when we think John of God or any of the institutions where somebody's absolutely after hitting a wall, having a breakdown and are about to lose a couple of years of their life in therapy, which does happen. I'm sure, yeah. but if to the to the great extent, you're probably dealing with, with the, all of us who have issues. Yeah, we need are, help. We all we all need help. Uh, we all have needs that need to be met. Uh, we all are designed to to live uh, with movement and relaxation, to be able to sleep, being able to recover, and when things get in the way of that. Uh, we generally find that it's difficult to keep going. Okay. So, Peter, over the... Like, we mean, there's a lot of talk about burnout at the moment. I mean, there's a, a great article there, or an interesting article in the Irish Times a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's 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 not just a buzz term. Unfortunately, it's a real issue, um, a serious issue. And we'll get to that in a second. Over the last 10 years in your experience, and before that as well, what sort of mental health issues have you seen increase um, and are we doing anything about them? I know that's a big area to ask to you to summarise, but just your, your sort of top line view on that. Well, I think if you if you look at the big picture, and I think burnout has a big picture, it's very much a sign of our times. There's the individual. There's our changing environments, you know, society, social policy, what we're expected to do, how we're supported to do that. And there's the types of jobs that we're doing and the, the kind of job climate as well as all the changing sort of economic and social pressures. So I think, we, you know, it's, a great, it's great that we're talking about burnout, but it's not just an individual problem. It's a societal problem. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just an individual who, you know, has poor boundaries or is an overachiever and is putting a lot themselves under pressure. You know, that person works in an organisation, in a culture uh, that, that may or may not be part of the, uh, the issue. Yeah, and it is. So you think that that has increased, and also, uh, you know, don't ten years ago, what was happening here was the big was the recession. Was there a big, huge increase in the number of people needing help in and around that time? And importantly, did they or were they able to get the help that they needed? Sure. Well, you can see, like coming into you know around the, the Celtic Tiger time, people living beyond their means, perhaps uh, maybe living quite a disconnected busy, frantic kind of lifestyle, very, very much external, you know, trying to get as much external things uh, as possible. That was the generalization. Then things began to change. There was, you know, uh, you know people under a lot more pressure uh, financially. Mm. I think if you look at, you know, economically, those who were in employment probably have stayed in jobs for a lot longer. For those same jobs would have been, would have been a lot more moving around maybe in jobs that perhaps the development budgets like training kind of went. Yes. Uh, they were expected to, to, to do more because people were, weren't being replaced. So people were like doing more within, within uh, you know, less time. Uh, perhaps there was a cap in terms of uh, their salaries yeah. as well. But obviously the cost of living has gone up. So then things like disposal of income, holidays, being able to buy nice things, being able to do up the house, you know, being able to invest in training, in your own well-being, like that, that's also been affected. That's so really good point. Um, I think All there's really a lot of points. things that are going on in terms of the conditions that people are working in, the conditions that they're living in, what they're expected to do. And then 
you have their own individual issues. You know, that the fact that they have an inner critic, that they might be, you know, the one who looks after themselves less. They'll look after everybody else, mm-hmm. but not at the expense of themselves. So there's there's lots of things going on in the mix. And I think in some of the articles, you know, there is, you know, authors are, are beginning to say, well, what about the, what about society? What about the government? What about social policy? What about uh, organizations? Let's, you know, let's support people be able to do the things that they need to do. Okay. So, and that all makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. So in your work as an occupational therapist, what are you seeing in terms of burnout? How is it presenting itself? How are people presenting with it? And, and what sort of diagnosis? Is, is there an official diagnosis that's put on, a medical background? Or how, how does it work? Sure. So uh, burnout isn't kind of recognized, if you like, as a, as a clinical sort of diagnosis um, by the World Health Organization or you know any of the, any of the big bodies. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that doesn't mean it's not a major problem and a sign of our times. I mean, when we people when, when, when we see people come in and they're generally um, have been experiencing uh, chronic stress uh, for, for a substantial period of time, they're coming in with emotional exhaustion. They're coming in feeling that they their, that their performance at work or at home uh, was being affected they didn't have the same energy to be able to do what they wanted to do or with the same enthusiasm. They might have a lot they might have lost an appreciation for the good work that they were doing. Uh, perhaps as things became more escalated, they began to doubt uh, the value in what they were doing or the people that they were working with. You know, it's almost like a self protective thing kicks in. So you become more cynical, you start to maybe, you know, see your clients in a negative light uh, that perhaps you know when you are energized and feeling rested that you don't and I think that's part of our our way of coping that we become sort of we depersonalize we disconnect from from our jobs but we're left with the the consequences of that which turns to obviously a lot of self-criticism and judgments about I shouldn't be thinking this you know these people uh, need my service or need my time and I'm thinking these thoughts you know and this is sort of signs that you know that things are really um, getting on top of us and you know we're, we're certainly uh, further into burnout. What about the family and what about the personal relationships then? So that's that's do you know what I've never thought of it that way and I, I can you can I think we could all relate to that idea with the work situation sure. and seeing those um, customers as mm. possible enemies if you will but family and then on, on self, I get the criticism and then sure. the relationships at home. So I worked with a really, uh, like a busy mum quite recently. Uh, she had a busy job and a lot of her energy was going there. Her, because she was raising sort of a number of kids, things like time for exercise, time for relaxation, times for catching up with the girls, that was all going. So her self-care went to make the time to be able to carry on, you know, still working. And over time, her health began to become more affected. Her energy plummeted. So she'd come home in the evenings, maybe irritable, maybe uh, you know, having less time or enthusiasm. The quality of her, her attention for engaging with her children had has changed and she knew that so you know she'd be allowing them to watch more tv or you know she just wouldn't have the the time and energy to go to bed early at the weekends the kind of level of activity that they used to do would be wouldn't be as much you know there would be there wouldn't be scheduled 
kind of events that they would do as a family. And so part of our work, look, you know, involved her re-establishing some nurturing activities. Brilliant. You know, where she's kind of investing in herself. Or she had to come into hospital to do that. Um, as her energy began that's hard mm, so it got to that stage where she had to come in because uh, you know listening to to that all the way up I can relate to that we can all every working mom and dad I'm sure but certainly the working moms where where you are society let's call it it, it, there still is that pressure extra pressure on mums and some dads are brilliant but there is extra pressure often on mums to do the a lot of the nurturing and the juggling Mm. everything at home and get the food shop in and get the cooking organised and the childcare and the education and then also keep down the job if you're working outside the home so that woman God help her so she came in she came in and then so we re-established a routine so a routine that was energizing, that was promoting some health. So looked at her food, looked at her activity levels, going out walking, looked at breathing, th- you know, things that you do to self-regulate through the day. Looked at her own beliefs around self-care. Brilliant. Um, so that became part of what kept her going. It wasn't, you know, when everything else is done, that this, by looking after myself, I'm able to look after other people mm. by looking after myself. The quality of my attention to my relationships improves uh, by looking after myself. My sleep is better. So then I wake up feeling energized. So it has this whole kind of positive knock on effect instead of a negative knock on effect. Um, then things needed to be kind of looked at in home in terms of boundaries. Who does what? Um some people may be doing a little bit more than they had been doing. Mm-hmm. So that, that began to um, become addressed. But it starts with building energy. And then we look at things like awareness. We look at, we look at boundaries and we look at, you know, why we do what we do. Do you know what, Peter? I often find when we have experts in, right, to talk about different areas where you can help us through our lives, um, whether it's in lifestyle awareness as your website or indeed as an occupational therapist, could I just ad- adopt you and bring you into the house and sort us all out a little bit and help us but that's why the podcast is great that we can actually sure. do this and have this chat we'll also have an article to go along with this on rt.ie forward slash lifestyle where you can talk us through maybe some of those key points about self-care so the mum she was in and you sent her you, you helped her to get um these sort of uh, self-care routine mm-hmm. going and in operation and then did she go back out into the workforce and then back home she did because she, she she started to go home like from hospital. She went home at the weekends and noticed, wow, I've got more energy. I'm doing things that I haven't done in years. Wow. Uh, and Was know, sleep a big factor? Sleep was a big factor uh, and perhaps poor quality sleep, but maybe spending more time in the bed, uh, seeing that that would be, you know, restful. But actually the quality wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and actually showing her ways that you can rest through the day sort of more active rest like so you could be doing something if your job for example is sitting in front of a screen all day which a lot of our jobs are to some degree and handling a lot of information active rest would be the opposite of that so that would be out walking it doesn't mean that you're sitting um sitting down on the sofa Mm. you know it could be that i'm actually quite active or i could be doing something creative you know there's lots of people doing things like mindful colouring in. I know. When I saw that first, I thought, and uh, this is my own opinion, uh, please don't anyone sure. throw anything on social about it. I was like, for God's sake, who has time for that? And that looked, then I did it with the mm. kids, not an adult colouring book of whatever, which again is lovely if you're, if that's your thing. But for me, I was literally colouring with the kids 
I was so relaxed. I could find everything. I was nearly drooling out of the side of my face with how relaxed I was. And I thought, oh God, okay, here we go. As with lots of things in life, we're always learning fair dues. This is deadly. <laughs> this yeah. is so good. Have you done it? It's really caught on, to be honest. Um, I, I prefer Zentangle. Zentangle, oh, which is... What's uh, this? Zentangle is mindful drawing. So you're drawing your own patterns and then you're colouring them in. So I suppose in some ways it's... Doodling. It's kind of mindful doodling. Yeah. yeah or, you know... Colouring it in then is But nice. it's, it's, it's more than that. Um, Does it mean something? Well, I mean, the Zen aspect is, is, is... It comes from the Zen tradition. So being deliberate, being focused, unitasking. And Tangle means pattern. Zentangle has... Um, is absolutely huge in America and England. It's as big as the Mindful Colouring In books. It's virtually unknown. And uh, we actually um, run Zentangle groups in the hospital. No. And that's where a lot of people first hear about it. Uh, it's also very big on social media because it's very image focused. Uh, so it's big on Pinterest, big on, big on uh, Instagram. Um, but what it does look at, uh, and particularly for adults, is our relationship with activity, you know, how we approach activity. So often how we do one thing is how we do lots of things. So looking at uh, creating something, because somebody, you know, drawing. I remember when I was uh, in, in um, art class as in school, my art teacher was constantly encouraging me to study French. Yeah. So I grew up with ideas that, you know, I can draw, I can't draw, I'm creative. And that's what a lot of our clients would say, that they, they first meet that inner critic, that I can't do that. Wow. You know, I can't create. I'm not, a, I'm not good at art. Where I guess the Mindful Colouring In books, the, because they're, um, they're just colouring in in, some, in, one, in one sense, the, you, don't that, you don't necessarily meet that, that creative Love block. Yeah. So it's entangled. People do have to work with that. And that's where the mindful spirit comes in. Because if the mindful spirit isn't there, it's just drawing yes you know, or just drawing pattern of patterns and that can be nice uh but in terms of a nurturing activity that perhaps adds something else um it's that spirit really that uh, enables people to connect to it We're on that level definitely peter going to do a piece on this so do you literally write down sit down with people give them a pa- pa- paper and pen and say off you go and is that it so it's quite structured you have um you have the, like particular tiles of paper they're about three and a half inches by three and a half inches. There's a structure to it. So you draw some dots and then you draw a faded line um, to create some space and then you draw patterns. All of the patterns, for example, have names, but they're named after things that they don't look like. So we don't judge. You know, if I, if I was to ask you, you know, draw a house, you know what a house should look like. So you compare what that should look like to what you've drawn. Wow. Where if you draw something like a Knightsbridge or a Zeppel or you've no idea what that, should look like because, yeah. it's, because it's made up yeah. um, so that that enables people to perhaps start with less judgment but judgment still appears okay yeah. okay all right we are that de- makes some Peter, sense yeah a little bit we are coming back to that but I just want to grab because I knew this was going to be an interesting one with this can, can you tell me about some of the symptoms that we look for now that we know as well that going to an institution where you can get help for your mental health is not something that has to be extreme you do not have to be in an extreme case of dire straits it's something where you need simply need help like you would if you had needed help physically you would go to the doctor this is obviously what is there for you firstly symptoms for burnout and um, sure. what we should look out for self-care that we can and should do at home and then possibly when you know it's time to get help yeah i mean one way to look at it is it's on a continuum so there are certainly signs and symptoms that are more subtle mm. 
and showing up perhaps when things are less troublesome. So it starts with this need perhaps to prove ourselves or to overschedule. Don't know what you're talking about there, Peter. Sorry, <laughs> no. <laughs> and and where that comes from, that, yeah. that might be born in childhood. Mm. That might be born in a need for to be seen in a particular way. Like for me, uh, my whole interest in, in burnout has stemmed from, you know, how close I've come to burnout on a few occasions. So, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's where, I'm, that's, mm. you know, that's where my interests come from. So, I mean, things like feeling exhausted or tired, uh, feeling like you don't have the energy for things that you enjoy and that you find that are positive and things you want to do. Like it could be meeting friends. It could be, um, going to the yoga class or could be going out for walks if you think i come home in the evenings and i don't have the energy for this i mean how sustainable is that yes. because that, that you're missing out on the those nurturing experiences so if your behavior starts to change if you think I, i'm running out of time here and i need to cut corners so i start doing things like you know working through my lunch break taking work home if you're working on a sunday you know when you, you finished on a friday yeah. That's not a that's not a great sign. Mm-hmm. I think feeling irritable, uh, feeling critical about the, the the work, or you know, noticing the fact that you're complaining a lot more, blaming. You know, you might be seeing that you know, if only I was supported more by the organisation, or you know, that that's that might be true to some degree, but in in terms of your own internal experience, you know, if you notice that you're more grouchy, uh, losing that enthusiasm for things. Um, Things like sleep will always, you know, we can't, we can't, we can sort of deny things to ourselves, but we can't deny our physiology. So no. things like sleep will be affected. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes nearly as we go so that um, we can come back to have all these pieces on our t.e forward slash lifestyle. But Peter, sleep, what's your view on that? How much does it depend on the person? Does it depend on um, lifestyle responsibilities or is it overall we need this amount well i think sleep is one of the most important things you can do you know uh there isn't a magic number unfortunately you know i know we talk about it a lot but you know it depends on needs depends on age you know someone like roger federer he sleeps 12 hours a day stop it yeah so versus margaret thatcher who used to sleep five or six hours yeah yeah four um, or five hours sorry something like that but i mean it, it depends on what you're doing it depends how physically active you are if you think about the first four hours being physical recovery and then if you think about the the second phase, the se- the second four hours, if you were to break Do you like get eight hours? Being emotional or psychological recovery. Uh, no, I don't. And I don't necessarily measure it. Yeah. So I've, uh, part of my, uh, I suppose, recovery, because insomnia was something that I, I did struggle with as part of burnout, was I stopped checking the time and I stopped measuring it. Wow. Me- measuring time. I started measuring energy. Great. So... Great. You know, we can become neurotic about yeah. about time, mm-hmm. how much I'm sleeping, measuring things on apps. And, you know, I know when I haven't had a good night's sleep because I can feel it in my body. Somebody doesn't, an app doesn't need to tell me that. And some of the apps aren't that sensitive either. But, but I would sometimes say... Sometimes you still need to set the alarm. So you need to know what time to set it for. I would get an old-fashioned alarm. Yeah. And I would put it by the window where mm-hmm. I can't see it. Mm-hmm. And I, when the alarm gets up, or goes off, I would get up. I like your style. And I would get up at the same time yeah. um, and go to bed at pretty well much the same time. I have an old-fashioned, well, when I say old-fashioned, it's still electricity, but you can turn it away 
and it's not the phone and then set it and then get up. But do you know what else I have, which I really, really like? I'm curious. Please, what do please, you have? Please don't tell me it's a bad thing. I have one of those um, sunrise alarms. Oh, OK. So it's, yeah. the room gets brighter as it gets closer to your getting up time. Yeah. So it simulates the dawn. The yeah. dawn simul- simulator. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I really like that. So you have to be careful. It's all about the melatonin and all that sort of thing. Well, it's all about your cycle. So yeah, you have a you have a cycle. cycle you have a cycle that go, yeah. governs your your day your twenty four hour cycle you have your circadian rhythm yes. and your ultradian rhythm so it's kind of it's kind of realizing that that has an impact on your day and of course it has an impact on your sleep and okay. it's sort of understanding that and how that um, how we can adapt that need uh, to our everyday life yeah and so that and that being working with the cycle of the day isn't it your yeah body? so for example you are designed to 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 stop and to rest during the day yeah not just to go 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 overnight you read by over need override your need for rest and just have coffee and sugar and yes. just plow on yes you can get away with that but you're not designed to live like that no. so the payback is you know it's like you've got an energy debt to pay and that's that comes from you know early awakening it comes from stress that's still in your system peter do you know the answer to this before we get to then when it's time to go to get help outside of yourself um with sleep and with when you, let's say, have a bad night's sleep, do you only have a minimum amount of time to catch back up in that sleep? You know, the, you hear things like, OK, well, if you had a big, crazy weekend, let's say, and you didn't sleep properly on Friday and Saturday, that you need to catch up in that sleep by the Sunday or else you've lost it. Sure. Um, I, I, mean, is there I think, any signs I, to that? I think there's different views on this. I mean, I think what we, we recommend is consistency, establishing a routine, Say, for example, if you're if you've underslept at the weekend mm-hmm. um, or you've underslept during the during week, the week yeah. I, I wouldn't be then, you know, sleeping extra dense to, to catch up more than an hour. Yeah. You know, you know, I wouldn't be sleeping four hours or, or okay. because th- what that, that does is confuse your cycle. Yes. So what you want is a consistent rhythm, a consistent cycle to your sleep. OK. Okay. And not very more, much more than an hour. So, for example, if I slept two, you know, if I slept two hours, one, you know, one, one, uh, one evening, say at the weekend, I would get up pretty much at the same time. Wow! And then I would, I would deal with the consequences of being tired, and I would go to bed at the same time um, that night. Wow. Okay. Cool. Because if I if I did the opposite, if I say then slept on till two o'clock in the afternoon. The next um, night's sleep yeah. is interrupted. It's out of sync. So that that's Very like going good. to New York and then flying back to Ireland and your, your sleep cycle is all, all confused. Very good. Very good. Okay, so now before we let you go, so w- then we know when people should recognise the symptoms within themselves for burnout. When is it time to get help? Well, the, the time to, to get help is when we struggle to do the things we need to do. You know, it's when our, our functional, and we call it function in, a, in occupational therapy, but, you know, it's your your skills and ability to meet the demands of what you have Brilliant. to do. Brilliant. We've gone full circle because that's what you started with. And that's that's really key, isn't it? When we're not able to basically go through the day, whether it's holding down the job, getting there on time, doing what you need to do with for your responsibilities, whether that be childcare or looking after parents or where, whatever other sure. needs that you have to fulfill. It's like on the sports field, you know, when somebody's injured. And yes, they can still their, their their skills are still there, but they're they're injured for a period of time, and they need to come off, and they need to rest and get some treatment. Brilliant. I mean, that's in some ways we we need that that sports analogy. You know, all this all the all the resources and skills are there, but there's like a there's like a short term injury, and you need to get support. Brilliant. 
We've been talking to, I say we, Peter and I have been talking. This is Peter Connolly here with me, who is an occupational therapist with uh, John O'Gods and also has created a website, lifestyleawareness.e. He runs a number of events. You can find out more information there. Peter, we didn't even get to touch on that. So you're coming back, aren't you? I am indeed. You've promised it now. Um, And we're going to talk through, we'll have the article here as well, um, where you can find out more about burnout and what Peter's been talking about. Peter, what are your social handles again? I know you're busy on there. So I'm at uh, lifestyleawareness.ie and Lifestyle Awareness IRL on um, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Yep, I think I just mouthed out like a mom when (laughs) when the child's doing their (laughs) school play. Peter, thank you so much for joining me. Um, This is The Lifestyle Show. You can find out more about lifestyle on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and also in the lifestyle section of the RTE News Now app. And we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. That's it from me, Tara Lockery-Grant, and we'll be back with you next week. Thanks a million for listening. The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra.